You're listening to Up to the Mic. If you want to learn about the struggles and triumphs of starting a business, performing for sold-out arenas, or inspiring those you lead, Up to the Mic is the show for you. Throw on some headphones and get ready to listen as our host, Vinny Hale, sits down to showcase the stories of those who deserve their stories be told. From young entrepreneurs to critically acclaimed musicians and so much more, Vinny helps compile a season of interviews that inspire listeners to follow in the footsteps of his guest. Welcome back to another episode of Up to the Mic, everybody. I am so excited to share this episode with you. It's going to be a good one. I've got my good friend here, James Schwartz, going to be on the episode today. Uh, James, I appreciate you being on for an episode, dude. Absolutely, Vinny. Happy to be on and excited to catch up for a while. Yeah, that's what we were just talking about before we hit the record button is that not only is it great to get to share your story with everyone that is going to listen to the episode, but in addition to that, it's great for you and I because we get to catch up a little bit, see what life's been like post-college. Uh, we can get into our time at A&M here in just a little bit. But as everyone knows, we like to bring it back to the beginning to get things started and, and kicked off here. So James, maybe we jump right in and allow you to just kind of give a little bit of your background. What's your story like? Where are you from? What did you do growing up? And then we'll talk kind of more about your time in college and what you've been doing uh, after. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. So just down the road from where you're at. As a matter of fact, we like to say life is too short to live in Dallas. And I've always kind of had some fun banter back and forth with all the guys we know from Dallas, just because I do take pride in being from Fort Worth or Cowtown is also what it's called. But yeah, I was grew up there my whole life um, from when I was born all the way to leaving to go to a and I'm the oldest of three kids, super tight with my family, even now being in the military, which we'll get into in a little bit. But got my brother, Charlie. He's 22 today. Today's his birthday. He's up at Nebraska. He's a Cornhusker. He's a senior up there. And then I've got a little sister, Anna, who she's a senior in high school and will hopefully be headed to A&M next fall. She sent off her application a couple of weeks ago. So nice. fingers crossed about that. Yeah. Growing up, I, I guess I'll dive into sports. Um, it's kind of in line with the career that I was sort of trying to go into with just having an active lifestyle. Always been a runner, uh, played soccer for a while, uh, did cross country and track in high school. And I was super involved, or I tried to be at least, which then kind of panned into my time at AM. And I think a lot of that just stems from me enjoying being around people, like catching up with you, catching up with people that we went to school with is what makes life fun. And so I really enjoyed kind of getting involved with, like I said, student council. I had a cool opportunity to be involved with an organization called Hope Squad, which they deal with kind of suicide prevention and kind of talking about that and making it more normalized, if you will, in a high school setting. And so having been involved in high school, I think that's really what pushed me to kind of get out of my comfort zone and try and dive into things once I ended up at Texas A&M. So it's a little brief, brief background on my upbringing and stuff. No, that's awesome. I think one thing we definitely have in common is the running aspect. I've talked about it way too much probably on the podcast, but I love running. I've actually gotten a little bit out of practice here this month, uh, or I guess in August technically, because we're just at the start of September right now. 
But previously I was running, you know, 25, 30 miles a week just because I like to stay in shape or at least as much as I can. And uh, everybody always tells me that you can't outrun a bad diet. I think that was honestly, for some reason, Chris Wilhelmy rings a bell when I try and think about who told me that back in the day. Maybe it wasn't, but I'll give him the credit anyways. Um, but you definitely can't outrun a bad diet. And so I, I would usually run to maintain is how I like to go about it. But back in the day, cross country was something I got into and I was never the fastest guy, but I was also never the slowest. I was one of those middle of the pack guys, you know, and we had a few people on our team who were those front of the pack leaders. And so I'd get to travel along to like the regional tournament here and there just because they were so good. And we'd qualify as a team just because I could stick around. That was pretty much exactly how I was just very <laughs> average. And you know what? We got to go to some of those fun events because we had some people that were faster. So <laughs> I didn't know you were a soccer player, though. That one was new to me. I guess I probably could have put the two together, given your athleticism and then just like general interest in soccer. But what position did you play? I played defender and I played for, oh gosh, it was probably like 10 years. When I got to high school, I actually had played for so long that I, I didn't even play in high school. I was so burned out. But in college, my freshman year, I joined an intramural team and then even in the job that I worked before joining the Air Force uh, at Sewell Automotive Companies, we had an intramural team with our store that I worked at, which was super fun. <laughs> well, when you talk about the Air Force and then your job at Sewell, it was a little bit of a windy road to get there. Uh, and I say that just because we want to talk about your time in college and it wasn't the traditional Air Force, I guess, Air Force Academy route. You went to Texas A&M and I want to talk more about your time there. But let's start with maybe what was the, the draw to Texas A&M? What made you kind of want to go to that school? And then maybe talk about your experiences there a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. So I grew up in an Aggie household. So both of my parents went to A&M. Yep. Both class of 91. So they met there. And so I, by association, grew up from like when I can literally remember watching TV for the first time, watching Aggie football. We went down for games, we went down to visit. And so growing up in that household, I think it can go one of two ways. You can either be like all in, yep, this is what I'm doing, or I'm doing something different. I'm going to UT kind of thing. And so luckily for my parents, I decided that that's what I wanted to do. And so, yeah, my senior year, I think I applied to two schools. I visited a couple of other colleges just to sit, check the box, essentially, and say that I looked around at other places. But I think I always knew deep down that's where I wanted to go. So applied, uh, luckily got in, and then I was on my way in my freshman year, and that was fall of 2017. So got down there. I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I wanted, I knew I wanted to get involved. I'm, I'm actually, I don't know, you know, if you know this, Vinny, but more of a shy person internally. And I've kind of had to learn to just push myself to go meet new people, get out of my comfort zone. Cause I know it's always going to pay off right at the end. You're going to meet new people. You're going to have great experiences. So I went to fish camp and both of my fish camp counselors encouraged me to apply to flows freshman leadership organizations and i was lucky enough to get into one of those and being in fast is what it was called i feel like really opened up a lot of doors for me just with men's orgs that eventually led to getting into one army uh, my sophomore year of college and then meeting future roommates 
applying for future internships, applying for fish camp, other organizations like that. So I guess going into my sophomore year, applied to get into one army where we met, you were the president that year. I actually remember my fish camp partner coming out of that summer had told me about you. And I think I remember trying to come up to you like one time at some informational and I was like, yeah, there's no way I'm getting in, but stuck it out. And I'm glad I did. Uh, cause it was just one of the most impactful, probably the most impactful organization I was a part of while we were at school. But yeah, I, that's kind of the, the path that I took. And I feel like I really just dove headfirst into one army the rest of the time that I was at a and I, I did have the opportunity to be a part of a couple of different things, but that's kind of where all my, my focus was at besides, you know, classwork. Yeah, man. Well, I actually have a strong, you know, affinity for one army and, and all that it was able to do, not only for me, but all the other men in the organization. One thing I don't want to gloss over though, was when you talked about how you were a little bit of a shy person and how some of those organizations fast specifically helped you come out of that shell a little bit. A lot of the listeners that we have on the podcast are young adults that are, you know, young males, a lot of are looking to go to college or make some new friends or decisions or entrepreneurs or whatever it may be. So maybe for those younger crowd or the younger crowd, what advice would you have for people that might be struggling with something similar of not being the most outgoing or flamboyant person in the world, but still wanting to go out and meet new people or make new friends? Totally. I think it's a couple of things. I think the first thing is you have to give yourself the opportunity, right? Like if you don't ever even try to step out into those circles, then it's really never going to happen just purely because you're not going to give yourself the chance. And so uh, that does take, you know, maybe somebody putting their hand at your back, kind of pushing you forward and saying, Hey, you know, why don't you go to this meeting and see what this is about or go to this dinner and meet some of these people. But I think it's giving yourself the opportunity. And then secondly, kind of tied into that, it's surrounding yourself with people that are going to push you to go, you know, do those things that are maybe a little bit uncomfortable. If you don't have anybody in your life that's going to push you forward, then again, it's the similar thing. You're not going to be able to, to get the opportunity in the first place. And so with me, with, you know, one army, you have the the opportunity sometimes to get up in front of the group and speak and being a, an underclassman, it's can be intimidating when you've got guys that are two, three years older than you, but being able to do that while I was in, I feel like has really paid dividends for me in the beginning of my career. That was one of the things that I always appreciated about our organization today and one army specifically was the capacity with which, or the opportunity with which we gave the, not just underclassmen, but all of the members to get up in front and lead and speak and do things that would typically put people out of their comfort zone. As someone who loves to get up and hear my own voice, it's not always the case for everybody. And there was a ton that you can learn from not only speaking to a large group of people, but one thing that I learned was a huge difference for me was speaking to a large group of your peers because of the fact that you almost have to turn on that switch from when do I need to get a point across and have these best friends of mine listen to me versus when do I just want to get up here and crack a joke that's probably not very funny or just kind of shoot the shit with the guys for a little bit. And so it teaches you one, how to kind of work the crowd a little bit, but two, it teaches you to have some confidence when you're up there because 
it almost takes more confidence to go up there and portray something important to people that you know are your best friends than it does to get up in front of a room of total strangers and, and just like give a pitch that you've practiced a million times, knowing that you'll probably never see any of them again. Um, totally. So that was something that really helped me out a lot for sure. When you were at AM though, what was it that you were studying? And then how did that kind of lead you in the direction of your career a little bit? Yeah. So I was in May's business school and I was studying marketing specifically with the track of sales. So it's kind of funny. We're talking about me having to develop from being more of the shy person who, you know, wasn't so sure of himself getting up in front of a group to pursuing a career where literally talking to people and selling a product or a service is what my job was going to be. And so over the course of my time at AM, just within the marketing field, I think I really learned how to work people, but just how to leverage being able to get up in front of a group of people and talk and, you know, learning different presentation techniques. One of the reasons why I didn't pursue finance or accounting was just because although there is a little bit of an aspect of being able to talk to people, it's more of looking at the numbers and you're doing a lot of maybe more work by yourself. And so in my studies and kind of through connections I made at AM, I was able to get linked up with Sewell Automotive Companies and I landed an internship with them going into my senior year. And then I was lucky enough to get offered a full-time role with them, which I took after graduation in May of 21. Did that role seem to fulfill you or did it kind of leave you searching for something else? And did is that kind of what pushed you onto the route of joining the Air Force or... Was the Air Force always maybe an end goal in the back of your mind that you just never really had the courage to jump out and do? Or were you just like so fed up with your job that it you just had to find a change? Yeah. You know, I think it's more of the second idea that you alluded to. It's always been something that's been in the back of my head. So even going back to high school, when I was going through freshman, sophomore, junior year, it had always been something that I had considered. I come from a family of military service. My dad was in the Army National Guard for some time. My grandfather was in the Air Force. My great-grandfather was in the Army. And so I kind of had some of those military connections already and a reverence for service and just what that meant to be a service member and spend some time serving your country. And so I got to the end of high school and just decided that didn't feel like it was the the path that the Lord was leading me down at the time. And so went to AM, didn't do the core. I did two spend the night with the core trips while I was in high school, just to make sure that it wasn't something that I wanted to do. And so ended up going through college. And then we talked about him earlier beforehand, but one of my roommates, Garrett Rigdon, he, our senior year, started kind of toying with the idea of joining. And then we had a couple of other guys in one army, Caleb Fleck and Jared Park or two that I specifically can think of that I talked to. I remember a conversation I had with Jared Park just telling him, I think it was pretty soon before I graduated, just that it had always been kind of a, a dream of mine to serve. And I just hadn't capitalized on the opportunity yet and told me to go for it. And so 
I began my career at Sewell and I really did love my time there. The people that I worked with were incredible and I learned a lot of really great skills that I think even now in the military have been helping me, but made the decision in, it was around January or February of 2022 that I was like, stamped it down in my head, I'm going to join. And so I got in touch initially with uh, an officer recruiter for the Air Force. And at the time, he had told me just through all the kind of the work you had to do before you actually join of getting recommendations and filling out your packet and things like that. It was going to be about a year and a half before I would probably even be able to think about shipping out. And I had heard of Air Force Special Warfare, which is the pipeline that I was in. And that's on the enlisted side of things. And they move a lot quicker with getting members into the military and into training. And so I was at a point, I was living at home, which was great. I was saving a lot of money. And again, I was, I was enjoying what I was doing, but I knew it was time to pursue this Air Force thing. And part of that too was, it's like, if I'm going to do this now, it needs to be now because who knows when a wife and kids and things are going to happen down the line, they're going to keep me from, you know, really being able to dive headlong into that. And so, yeah, I made the decision early last year and then kind of took the steps towards enlistment and getting ready to jump into this pipeline. Love the story about the Air Force. And I appreciate the context because as someone who my father was in the army, but I'm a little far removed from the inner workings of enlisting versus um, being recruited and how it all works. And so it's interesting to hear your viewpoint on it. And you mentioned kind of how you were in a practice called special warfare, correct? Or practice, how you were in a, a segment or line called special warfare. Maybe talk to me a little bit about your experiences there, uh, what you might've learned from your time in the Air Force so far and where you could see things headed and what direction you're in now. Absolutely. So special warfare is a very small segment of the air force. That is going to be what most people know as like SOCOM or special operations. So a lot of people are going to know about, you know, Navy SEALs or army Rangers, the special warfare operators are pretty much the equivalent to those personnel just within the Air Force branch. So the special warfare career fields, there, there are four of them, and I was pursuing one of them called special reconnaissance. And so the training is all basically 90% physical. So I had to do to prepare to leave as I, I quit my job at Sewell in January of this year and I used February, March, April, and then the very beginning of May to physically prep to leave for basic training in mid-May. And so from February through May, five days a week, I got involved with our development group is what it's called. And it's a group of active duty Air Force recruiters that run basically a five-day-a-week workout program to get you physically prepped for the pipeline just because the demands are so high and the attrition rate is so high. So a lot of what that looked like was going to the pool for multiple hours a day because there's a lot of 
water confidence involved in training, lots of running, strength and conditioning. And then even mixed in with that were mentorship sessions where we kind of get info from current operators and things like that just to get us ready. So in May, I shipped out for basic training here in San Antonio at Lackland Air Force Base. Every enlisted member of the United States Air Force has to go through that seven and a half weeks of just basic military training. You're learning how to transition from being a civilian into a working military member. You're going to learn how to properly keep your uniform, make your bed with your hospital corners, march, things like that. It can be tedious at times, but I, I really did enjoy it. You get really close with the guys that you go through it with. And so after basic training for the pipeline for special warfare, you move on to the special warfare candidate course. And that's an eight-week course. That's just five days a week of going through three modalities a day or workouts just to get you ready for assessment and selection which is kind of the Super Bowl, if you will, of the pipeline. That's where the most attrition happens. And that's where you actually get picked up to continue on for the rest of training. So I started SWIC in early July, and that went through until almost the end of August. And it's just getting in the pool for two hours a day, going for a run, going for rucks with weight on your back, doing strength and conditioning. So we started with about 180 guys and ended with around 70. So people were slowly kind of falling off throughout SWIC. And then I began assessment and selection, which again is kind of the penultimate course that you have to go through in the pipeline a little over two weeks ago and unfortunately washed out. And so... It's been, I was telling you before, it's been kind of a emotional roller coaster the past couple of days and over the past week, just realizing that, you know, I'm, I'm now out of this pipeline and I'm on to something new, but I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm able to reflect on how much I've learned and grown. And there's a quote that somebody said somewhere and I remember I wrote it down here just so I wouldn't forget it, but uh, it's basically like failure is a part of life, right? You're going to fail at some point, but as long as you can take something away from that and learn from it, you know, you're not just going to look at it forever as being something that brought you down. And so again, I got to meet a lot of great people and the course is set up such that the attrition rate is so high that a lot of the guys that I went through with are here with me right now. And we're kind of in this holding uh, period waiting to get reclassed. But as tough as it was, I'm proud how far I got. And I know I'm always going to look back on this experience and have fun talking about it down the road. First and foremost, that is definitely something to be proud of. And the fact that not only is it that you got so far as you did, but that there's something else around <laughs> the corner that you're working towards. So I applaud you and commend you for both of those things. I want to go back to that quote that you mentioned though, because I'm a huge quote guy and I love that actually talking about how, you know, failure is a part of life. And it really struck a chord with me when I start to think about all of the things that I am best at in my life 
are because I have previously been bad at those things or have failed at those things plenty of times, whether it be, I think a great example is I'm by no means the best accountant in the world, but I'm terrible at math. And I'll tell anybody that I just worked really hard at it and I failed a lot and failed a lot. And I guess I passed my classes, but I failed a lot in general um, and eventually figured it out. And that's a, you know, small use case, but extrapolate that out to every area of your life. And you start to see the big picture here of maybe if I just fail more, start with trying new things, failing more times, I'll come up on the other side and I will have learned new things because a lot of times you can kind of coast through the motions. And I've noticed this in my own life, the things that I am naturally gifted with, sometimes I start to coast and then eventually I'll fail at it and it'll hit me like a brick wall. And it's like, wow, I wish I would have done this sooner so that I wouldn't have hit such a huge brick wall and I could have learned as I went along. But it's a wake-up call to everybody that's listening that you might not be as good at everything as you think you are. And the things that you're too scared to try should be the things that you kind of leap headfirst into. So I appreciate you bringing a quote out because that is definitely my bread and butter. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, it's one of those things where I knew going into this that it was a risk, right? I mean, you're going into a, a career field where only a they call it the 1% of the 1%, right? It's just a very small number of people that are going to get picked up to go through the rest of this pipeline. But going back to the why for joining the military, I, I wanted a challenge. You know, this is probably the only time in my life where I'll even have the opportunity to go through something like this. And so I was just appreciative to even have the opportunity to, to give it a shot. Well, I want to ask about, you kind of mentioned your life there. What is the big picture? What, what is the goal here for James? And I'm thinking more like five, 10 years, 20, 40 years down the road. Nobody ever has it all figured out. But I'm curious, like when you envision your life in those time frames, what is it that you'd like to do? What is it that you'd like to accomplish? What is it that you would like people to think of when they think of your name? Totally. Yeah. And it's, I've had time now to kind of think on that while I'm in this period waiting for what my career field is going to be. And for sure, while I'm in the military and I signed a four-year contract, so four years active duty, it's crazy. I've been in almost six months now, so about three and a half years. There's a lot that I still want to do in the military that doesn't really have any direct relation to what my job is. I really want to travel and that's something that's just built into this job, right? I'm going to get selected for a career field and then I'm going to pref what duty stations I want to go to and I can stay in the United States. I can go abroad. And so there's a lot of opportunity to go see the world in that capacity, which excites me. Another thing is just the military offers so many benefits to its members and very thankful to have gotten my education at AM and they actually offer things like tuitions assistance and the GI Bill to help further education. And so I'd love to get my MBA uh, or at least start it while I'm in. And then that'll help me if I get four years down the road and I decide, you know, I've enjoyed my time serving, but I want to go ahead and jump back out into the marketing business industry. That would be great to have, you know, just for employers to look at and see. But I, there's definitely a possibility that uh, I make a career out of it. And probably how that would look is I would eventually put in my packet to commission to become an officer. That's what I'd like to do. 
but I definitely want to get settled into whatever career field it is that I get picked up for first and really get proficient at that, good at that, and then kind of start thinking about that a couple years down the road. But career-wise, that's kind of kind of the the rough plan, staying for the next four years and then make the call as to whether I'm going to stay in and make it a career or get out. And then family-wise, definitely want to eventually settle down, have some kids, but that's pretty far yet on the horizon. No, that's fair. Do what you need to do and what you'd like to accomplish first and then let all that happen later. Uh, Not that I'm speaking from experience. I only have a dog, but he's enough for me to handle Uh, between (laughs) the two of us, Rachel and myself. So, (laughs) Well, awesome, man. I appreciate it. If you have any advice for, I know I've kind of pinpointed some specific areas I wanted your experiences and expertise in, but maybe just for the listeners out there, or you have a shout out for any of the guys that might listen to this that we know, feel free to share that. You know, If you want to give a shout out to anybody, or if you have advice for people that might be struggling with making those tough decisions in life or encountering a difficult time, like you have been going through this past two weeks, you know, going through something emotional and then having to look up on the other side of it and make some plans, feel free to share that. Definitely. I think, and this is kind of the mantra that I've tried to keep ever since graduating high school is kind of the shy kid that didn't really enjoy getting out of his comfort zone is just take the step, right? You never know what's going to happen. And I'm so happy to see a lot of our friends doing what they really feel passionate about. And it would have been really easy for me to have just set aside the whole idea of even pursuing the military because it's so vastly different from what I was used to and what, you know, most of our friends are used to coming out of college. But even though I haven't ended up exactly where I thought I was going to be doing this, I know that a lot of doors are going to be open for me and it's just fun. You know, it's, you get there and you're like, uh, I don't know if this is actually what I'm meant to be doing. And then you meet people and, that leads to another thing. And it's just, yeah, just take the step. That'd be my biggest piece of advice. Get out of your comfort zone. I love it. There's always something that you're not going to want to do. And a lot of times those are the things that you need to do in life, whether that just be to take the next step in your career to actually achieve some sort of goal that you have, or maybe it's just to make a new friend or uh, see a new experience in life. But regardless, James, very wise man in your young years, Really appreciate the time that you have and that you've given to us to hop on an episode of the podcast and share your experiences with everybody. I know I'm going to try and get a lot more of our old buddies on to uh, talk about their experiences, see what they're up to these days. And then in the event that uh, I know we had tossed around the idea of uh, you starting up a podcast of your own, I would love to help promote in any way I can and share your uh, share my audience with yours allow them to hear all the things that you are going through as you go day to day in the life of an air force or air force military member, as well as sharing the story of all the good buddies that we have that are off doing whatever crazy things they're doing these days. (laughs) Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on and it was fun to catch up for a while and hopefully we can do it again down the line. Of course. Well, That's all for this episode of Up to the Bike, everybody. If you want to go ahead and give James a follow, I can tag any social medias that he still has these days in the show notes. And then also, don't forget to follow the podcast on all major platforms at up to the mic underscore pod. We will see you in the next one. Thanks. Let's go. Yeah.
I'm like an addict, ooh, I gotta have it I ain't even playing, got a really bad habit If it moves, gotta grab it Fuse like a magnet, lose, won't have it Till I'm doomed in a